We have a few minutes. We want to consider the Word of God. We are standing on the threshold of a new year, and we are stepping through that doorway into a new year. And I want to exhort you with a simple reminder of reading your Bibles every day during this coming year of 2006. There's no excuse for you not to read your Bible. There's so much time in the day that you waste. Everyone in here wastes hours every day. And it only takes minutes to read the Word of God and to benefit from it. Some people say they don't have time to read the Word of God. You're such a loser when you talk that way because you're going to get nowhere working when you could be reading. If you were to read the Bible instead of working, the work and the remainder of your time would be blessed by God instead of Him blowing against it. You cannot get ahead cheating the Lord. It's impossible. No one in the history of the world has ever been able to do it because we need the Lord to bless our efforts. You and or I will amount to nothing if we do not read the Word of God and devour it. This is our sustenance for our souls. This is a spiritual book. It's not just a book. It is a spiritual book. Amen. We have been made spiritual beings by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. We need this for the food for our souls. If you starve yourself by not reading this, you will be a loser and a failure in life. When you're buried, we'll all sigh a sigh of relief and go forward better for it. Because we have been freed from someone that does not walk with God. You cannot walk with God without the Word of God. This is His message to us. I only have a few minutes But I want to remind you and charge you that we use this year that He's given us and we use it well to read His Word. I'm not angry. I'm just telling you the facts. No man can be successful or prosper in all the ways that count with God and men without the Word of God. If you heard the young brother read us Joshua chapter 1, it told us if you're going to make your way successful and prosperous, You need the words of the law of God in your mouth and in your heart. You need to meditate upon them. And they will change your life. There is a supernatural relationship with the Bible. Now, I get a little nervous because we're not going to kiss it. We're not going to fall down and worship it. But there is a supernatural power to the words of God in that they can satisfy the supernatural soul you have in you by regeneration in the way no other book can. This is not a book purely for your mind. This is a book for your soul. Your eyes are the windows by which these words are translated by your mind, but then they feed your soul and build your faith. You will grow in your love for God if you will read the Bible. You will grow in your love for holiness if you'll read the Bible. It will feed and provoke your soul. If Jesus said, and He did, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You take the time every day to eat. Every single one of you. That is less important than reading God's Word. But you always take the time to eat. Isn't that embarrassing and shameful when Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Job would put it this way in Job 23, I have esteemed the words of his mouth... More than my necessary food. We always take time for our necessary food 
and most of us take a whole lot of time for our unnecessary food. But Job said God's words were more important to him than necessary food. Are you making time every day to to read the Word of God? I charge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my King and your King, that we read our Bibles every day in 2006. Israel rejoiced to hear the words of God. Brother Mark read to us from Nehemiah chapter 8 that the whole nation rejoiced. They had a celebration. They ate the sweet and drank the fat. They drank the sweet and ate the fat and sent portions to those that didn't have. And they celebrated with great mirth, excitement, laughter, and joy because they had heard the words of God read to them and they had understood those words. Now, if you don't get excited like that, it's not because they had a problem. You have a problem. You need to correct that problem. If you can't correct it, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Because nothing's going to correct your problem. This is the Word of the living God. The most important thing you have in your home. The most important thing you have in your business. The most important thing in your life. It's a priceless treasure that you ought to pay attention to and make time to read it. David, the great temple builder that we thought about ten days ago on a Wednesday night right here. What made David the way he was? What made David the man after God's own heart? What made David so in love with the Lord that he wanted to build him a house instead of letting him dwell in a temple, in a tent, or a tabernacle? What made that change in David's life? How can we pinpoint what David did that made him different from other men? Read Psalm 119 and Psalm 19 and you'll know. We just sang Psalm 19. That was written by David. The words of God were to him sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. They were more valuable to him than much fine gold. Not just more valuable than gold. Not just more valuable than fine gold. Fine gold is 24 carat. It has no impurities. And not just fine gold, much fine gold. David considered the Bible more valuable to him than all that gold we talked about ten days ago. David considered the Bible sweeter than a Snickers bar, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. It was more delightful for his eyes to land upon a a sentence of Scripture than it was for his mouth to latch onto a chunk of honeycomb. And, you know, we live in a generation where most of you kids probably don't even know what honeycomb is. It's not that goofy-looking cereal in the yellow box made by General Mills. It's what bees put their honey in. And when you bite a chunk of that and put it in your mouth and let that honey drain out, it is very sweet. And David said, it's sweet. It's more pleasant to me for, for my eyes to land upon a sentence of God's words than to put something precious like that in my mouth. Right. And you know the feelings of excitement you get and the joy and the light on your face when your parents give you ice cream, candy bars, or other things that are sweet to your taste. Sorry about you, Lewis, but once in a while... Sweetness. It was sweet to David. What made David different? The Word of God. You read Psalm 19, you see David's attitude about the Bible. You read Psalm 119, you see David's attitude about the Bible. 176 verses where David said, It's my delight. It's my heritage. It's the rejoicing of my heart. It's my love. How love I thy law! Exclamation point. It is my meditation all the day. That's David. That's what made David great. You say, do you mean if I just... The Bible, if I just read the Bible, it'll it'll change me? Yes. If you're a born-again child of God, reading the Bible will change your life. 
It will draw you closer to the Lord. It's a spiritual book and you're a spiritual man. If you're born again, you need it. When we starve ourselves, we end... Why is? Why am I not excited like the other people in the church? Why am I so bored? Because you haven't read the Word of God. You haven't got down with the Bible where you are looking for every sentence and wondering what delectable thing is in every sentence. It is not the quantity you read, it's the quality of your reading. I do not care if you were to take... Well, I'm going to care a little bit before I get done, but I wouldn't really care if you read just one verse if I knew you would really meditate on it all day long and really mull over it and pull out of it every delectable thing that's there. And listen, there's enough in every verse to keep you occupied for as long as you'll live on this earth. You will read a verse a hundred times, and the hundred and first time you read it, you will see things in that verse you never saw before. There's no other book like it in the world. Once you've read a book a couple of times, there's nothing else to get out of it. But not the Bible. The Bible can keep you occupied for the rest of your life, and it's going to occupy us all the way through heaven because it's describing the great God and His Son, Jesus Christ, what they've done for us and what we can do for them in order to please them. You know, I don't have time to take you through Psalm 119. Obviously, there's 176 verses. But there's a whole lot of verses that just describe David's attitude about the Bible. Is that your attitude? If that isn't your attitude, then you can't ever be like David. It's that simple. Every one of us should want to be like David, a man after God's own heart, in favor with God and men, always conducting himself wisely, behaving himself in a perfect way. His name was much set by in Israel. How did he acquire such wisdom, discretion, and graciousness, strength, faith, and power that he was so esteemed by God and men? Right here. He was a man of the Word of God. And he wasn't any sissy about it, little boys. David was the toughest man you've ever dreamed about. There's no comic book character that can do anything. All those are the imaginations of idiots. David was a real man. David took on Goliath and ran to meet him when the whole nation of Israel was afraid to meet him. And David fought warriors the rest of his life, but David read the Word of God, and what he did, he did in the strength of the Lord. You know, I love that verse from Psalm 18 where he says, By my God, I have leaped over a wall. Nothing was going to slow down David because the Lord was with him, and he knew the Lord was with him because he was full of the Word of God. The Lord was his pavilion, his fortress, his shield, his buckler, his high tower, his rock... His strength, the Lord was everything to David because he had filled himself with the promises of God. I wanted to sing a song that I used to sing as a child, standing on the promises of God. Because that's what we stand on to be great, on the promises of God. The greatest men in the history of the world stood on these promises. While there are other nations of the world drinking their sake and going out and killing themselves because that's how dumb and ignorant they are for their stupid emperor who can't even live to be 70 years of age, men who fear the Lord can go out and do things in the fear of God and with the strength of God. They're not drinking sake and they're not killing themselves. They're killing the enemy. There's no greatness in killing yourself for your country. The greatness is in killing someone else for your country, as George Patton once said, but the Word of God showed it through David. Because he did it for the Lord. He was a great man. Right. And I, what we thought about him on Wednesday evening ten nights ago was his love for the Lord and his love for the worship of God and it came from the Bible. You young men, I want every one of you to be like Elihu. Right. Every single one of you. 
Elihu is the man in Job 32 that understood what was going on in the book of Job. Job, his friend Eliphaz, his friend Bildad, and his friend Zophar were four of the wisest men in the East. The East was the only place where there was wisdom in those days. And it didn't mean the Far East. It meant Persia and Mesopotamia, where Abraham and the ancestors of the Israelites came from. They were the wisest men of the East. But there was a young man. They were old men. They were old and wise men. But there was one young man in Job chapter 32. And he takes up in Job 32 and he speaks in 33, 34, 35, 36, and 37. It's Elihu speaking, a young man. He said, I was afraid to speak for the first 31 chapters. I was listening to you guys talk and, and you're old men and old men are supposed to be wise. So I kept my mouth shut. But finally, I'm so upset listening to all the drivel coming from you four men. I'm going to give you my opinion. Now sit down, shut up and listen to me. He that is perfect in wisdom is about to explain things to you. And he wasn't telling them that God was about to arrive. He was speaking about himself. Right. And he didn't say that arrogantly. He said that in defense of the great God of heaven. And that is humility. When you talk that way because you want to defend God, that is humility, not arrogance. He said, suffer me to speak a little further on behalf of my Maker. Right. Do you know what gave that young man so much courage? The, inspir- the Spirit of God and the inspiration of the Almighty. Right. He says that, I want every one of you young men to be that Elihu. You have an answer that defends the God of heaven and is according to the truth of inspiration. Now, Elihu was directly inspired. I wish I could promise you that or offer it to you, but I'm not Benny Hinn. And my promise and my offer would not be in truth if I was him. We have our spirit and our inspiration from the Word of God. And you young men can be like Elihu by reading this Bible every day and absorbing it. Don't just whip through it. Oh, got a chapter done. Check it off. Now I can have a clean conscience. That's no conscience. Read it carefully and look for it. Understand what you're reading. Think about the verses. Think about how it makes a young man strong. Think about the answers that are in there to the questions of men. You can be an Elihu. Elihu is one of the greatest men in the Bible. We know very little about him, except he spoke on behalf of God, and he was smarter than four other wise men because he knew God's Word and he stuck with it. Those chapters are some of the most precious in the Bible. Every young man, when he goes to school, ought to be pounded with Job chapter 32. In every school especially seminaries, and they don't even know that there's an Elihu in the book. You say, you, you exaggerate so much. Really? Do you think so? Go get a New King James Bible and some of the new versions that put quotation marks around spoken language in the Bible, and go read Job 32 in that Bible and see if they even know who Elihu is. Elihu is a great man, and he's a man that had the Word of God to answer the questions of other great men. And I want you young men to be like that. There's only one way to get there, and it's a four-letter word that starts with R. It's read the Bible. Read it. Then you can be like Joshua. Joshua crossed that river Jordan, and he had a group of people behind him, several million strong, but they'd never fought a war in their lives. They were the children of slaves that came out of Egypt that had built pyramids for the pharaohs. He entered into that land of Canaan and destroyed 50, nation, 50 cities and 7 nations because the Word of God was in his mouth. Amen. David was what he was because he had the Word of God in his mouth. Right. 
He knew the promises of God when he met Saul and he looked out there and saw Goliath and Saul said, what's a little twerp like you going to do with a big professional soldier like him? He didn't care. Saul said, here, you'll need my armor. Try to put the stupid stuff on. He said, I don't need that armor. Just let me go and do it because the Lord's going to be with me. The Lord was with me with a lion. The Lord was with me with a bear. The Lord will be with me with that uncircumcised dog down there. Let me go get him. And the next thing you knew was David was holding a sword in one hand and a great big ugly head in the other, holding it by its hair, coming back. And they sang the praises of David. But what, what made David the, what gave David the ability to go down there and take on Goliath? He trusted God because of the Word of God. We sang in Psalm 19, the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord. That little expression was just like the other expressions in Psalm 19 that we sang. It was describing the Bible. You say, the fear of the Lord? Yes, the fear of the Lord is taught by reading the Bible. You will learn to fear the Lord by reading the Bible. Everything in Psalm 19, the commandments of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the precepts, the judgments, the fear, that is all descriptions of the Bible and the benefits that you get from it. Look at Romans 10:17 with me. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, or else listen to me, quote it to you. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now we practice that one on Sundays and Wednesday nights. But when you're not here, you can practice it by reading your Bible. Faith comes by the Word of God. Most men, do you know what a privileged blessing you have by having the Word of God in your homes? Most men didn't have it in their homes. They had to hear it from the mouth of a preacher. And if they were going to go search the Scriptures, they would have to go to some public institution where there was a public Bible where they could search it to find out if what they had heard was true or not. We are so blessed. Faith cometh by hearing. You want to be a man of faith? A man of faith like those great men that are in Hebrews chapter 11? You'll only get it by reading the Bible. You can't drum it up yourself. You can't choose to be a man of faith. It is produced by the Word of God. Because you read what God has done for others. You read what God has promised to do for you. You read how great God is. You read how much God hates your enemies. And you read all that enough and it fills you with faith. He's never forsaken anyone. Except the wicked. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. The Bible bears fruit. The point we just had was the Bible builds faith. It bears fruit. Colossians chapter 1. You can't live without the Bible. We're not going to be a successful church without the Bible. You won't be a man without the Bible. You're just a shell of a man. You're a loser and a failure without learning the Bible. Because your thoughts, my thoughts, all of our thoughts together are worthless. They're they're utterly worthless. They're They're the babbling and the profane and vain babblings of nonsense. They're worthless. Yes, children, I'm telling you, your dad's thoughts are worthless. Unless they're proved and bared out by the Bible. They're worthless. Mine are worthless. Your pastors are worthless. Unless they're bared out by the Bible. I don't want you ever to believe anything I tell you that isn't proven by the Bible. Because my thoughts are vain. My thoughts are foolish. My thoughts are selfish. My thoughts are proudful. Arrogant. Haughty. The Bible is true altogether, and it bears fruit. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you 
since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Now in verse 5 it told us the word of the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the preaching of God's word. 1 Peter 1.25 The truth of the gospel is the preaching of God's word. And look what this passage tells us. It bears fruit. You can't read the Bible sincerely and seriously without it bearing fruit in your life. If you starve yourself, though, you'll be fruitless. It's amazing how busy we get. Who gets us so busy that we don't think we have time to read the Word of God? It certainly isn't the Lord, and it certainly isn't your business success. <laughs> no, no one ever puts their business first and ever is successful. Right. It's the devil himself that doesn't want us in the Word of God. Do you know what the sort? Do you know what the one offensive weapon we is? What the one offensive weapon we have is, along with prayer. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And the devil wants you to leave your sword behind. What good's a soldier in war when he's left his sword at home? I don't care how good his armor is. All he is is fighting a defensive battle his whole life, and we want to be on the offense for the kingdom of Jesus Christ and for success and prosperity in our lives. And you've left your sword at home alone, and you're out in the battlefield without a sword if you don't read the Bible every day. It bears fruit. Colossians 1. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This isn't just a, a theology that tells us what we believe in our church. This is God's words for our souls. This is God speaking to us. He doesn't come and speak audibly to us. He speaks through His Word. We need His words. His words will build you up. His words will help you grow is the point I want right now. 1 Peter chapter 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. Oh, that's not the way it reads. There's a comma in there. Do you mean the commas are inspired too? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. Who's desiring in this verse? Is it newborn babes desiring? Or is it you desiring like newborn babes desire milk? It's you desiring. That's an imperative verb. As newborn babes, and there's an ellipsis there, desire milk, you should be desiring the Word of God. As new, Desire is a verb not applying to babes. It's applying to you, and it's an imperative verb, meaning it's something you're supposed to do. As newborn, as newborn babes, like a baby, screaming and squalling if it can't get its milk. I won't last three hours without my milk. I wish every one of you were like that when it came to the Word of God. I can't last three hours without reading the Bible. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. I'm going to put up a screaming fuss if I can't get it to Bible. If someone takes me away from my Bible for four hours, I'm going to squall. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. There is only one way to grow as a Christian. And I can't do it all for you. Your parents can't do it for you. Your brethren can't do it for you. The singing can't do it for you. Do you know what can do it for you? The sincere milk of the Word. Get into the Bible. Read it. Love it. Crave it. Seek it. Have it every day. What happens to a baby if you don't feed it every day? It doesn't grow very fast. It gets skinny. It gets weak. It doesn't have its proper coordination. It doesn't walk when it should. It's destroyed because you've starved it. You wouldn't do that to your children, but why do you do it to your souls? Lord, help us. Turn to, turn to uh, Psalm 119, 111. 
Psalm 119, 111. The Bible builds faith. The Bible bears fruit. The Bible promotes growth and you can't grow without it. You're going to sit and just stagnate as a Christian if you don't read the Bible. The fourth, the Bible brings contentment. The Lord is very kind to me in studying as He let me see the fullness of this particular point. Some of you are discontented. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're unhappy. You're miserable. You're moody. You're depressed. You're beating yourself. All these stupid things that the devil wants you to do. None of those come from the Spirit of God. They are pure out of, he- they're out of hell. That bitter envying and strife that you have in your heart, that disappointment, frustration, discontentment that you have in your heart is from hell. That is never from heaven. No, no man ever in touch with heaven ever acted, thought, or talked that way. Do you know where contentment comes from? Right here. Watch, watch this. Psalm 119, 111. Thank you, Lord. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. The reason you're unhappy is because you're not reading the Bible like you should. If you read the Bible like you should, you've got something that will rejoice your heart. It's a heritage forever. God has made me rich. Because I've got the words of God. That way, no matter how poor you are in life, you're rich. No matter how poor you think your day went, you're rich. You're content any day, every day. Because you're standing on the promises of God, you're reading them, and God is dealing you as man to man through His precious Word, the Bible. They are the rejoicing of my heart. The Bible brings contentment. You'll never be content unless you read the Bible more. Verse 142 in the same place. Psalm 119. 142. The Bible teaches truth. Don't we want the truth in life? Who wants to believe a lie? We're all liars. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things? Your heart lies to you more than anyone else in your life. Do you believe that, Andrea? Mine lies to me more than anyone else lies to me. Our hearts lie to us. We all want the truth. Where do we get the truth so that we don't waste our lives believing a lie? Right here. Verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. We get the truth from God's Word. I mean, have I told you enough? No, I haven't. The Bible builds faith. The Bible bears fruit. The Bible promotes growth. The Bible brings contentment. The Bible teaches truth. The Bible gives wisdom. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. We read in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 and verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Do you want wisdom? Do you want to be like Solomon? Solomon, you know what? There's a secret. Everything Solomon learned that was true, the Lord stuck it in the Bible for you so that you wouldn't have to go through all the years of pain and sorrow that he went through to get them. Is that, is, is that fair? That for a buck you can buy yourself a Bible and have all the secrets of Solomon? Is that, is that fair? Is that pretty nice? Amen. That's just one book of the Bible or a couple, three books of the Bible. The rest of the Bible is the same way. The Bible teaches wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the power of right judgment. Always knowing exactly what ought to be done in any given situation. Where does that come from? The Word of God. It says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
You say, well, I'm just, I'm just a simple person. I never got much education. My parents didn't give me a very big gene pool when it came to brain power. Oh, come on. Just quit all that baloney. Do you know what kind of men the Lord Jesus Christ called to be His apostles? Fishermen. fishermen. Ever taken an IQ test survey on fishermen? <laughs> it ain't very high. Wouldn't be very high for me either talking like that, but you know what I mean. That, that is irrelevant. The Lord can make you wise. You know what? If you were to couple two things, I can guarantee you wisdom. The Bible says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. If you were to get down on your knees and pray for wisdom and then read a few verses of the Bible, sincerely looking for wisdom, you are going to be a wise man or a wise woman or a wise young man. Austin, I want you to be one of those wise young men. Not mad at you. I just want you to think so. The Bible, son. Right. How old are you, Austin? Almost 12. I wish I could go back to being an 11. My father wanted me to read the Bible, and he pressed me to read the Bible, but I wish I'd have read it more. I can't go back. Can you go back to 11? You're there. Read your Bible this year, Austin. It's the year 2006. Remember what you used to tell me you wanted to do when you grew up? Amen. Fill yourself with it. The Bible teaches us wisdom. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, 22. Proverbs 22. The Bible builds faith. You want to be a man of faith? You've got to have the Bible. The Bible bears fruit. You want to be a fruit-bearing Christian? Get into the Word of God. The Bible promotes growth. You want to grow as a Christian? Read the Bible. You want to be contented with your life? Read the Bible. You'll be rich forever. No one can ever take it away from you. You want the truth instead of being lied to? Read the Bible. You want wisdom so that you can be like Solomon? Read the Bible. You want to be like Elihu? Read the Bible and he'll teach you wisdom. You want answers when people ask you questions? It is so it is a lot of pleasure to have answers when people ask questions. In the world, see, they don't have any answers to any question. But if you'll read the Bible, you can have answers. Look at this. Look at the confidence of the Word of God. Proverbs 22, verse 17. Bow down thine ear, and hear the words of the wise, and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. They shall withal be fitted in thy lips. This is a pleasant thing. You want to do something exciting in life? Get the answers. Right. Where are they? In the Bible. Amen. How do I get them? Read it. When? In the year 2006. You can't go back to 2005. Verse 19. That thy trust may be in the Lord I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Amen. God has written to us excellent things in counsels and knowledge. We have the counsel of the Most High God. He has sat in counsel and determined what a truly wise answer would be to every question in the universe, and He's written in the Bible. Amen. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge? Yes, Lord, you have. Well, get them, fit them in your heart, fit them in your lips. You'll be able to give answers to men. We have the answers through the Word of God. The Bible pays rewards. Look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. You like rewards, don't you? 
Do you like it when the teacher says you're the, you're the student of the month or the student of the week or the student of the day and you get to go to recess first? Do you like rewards? Do you like getting a 5% pop in your pay at some company? Do you like getting a promotion? Instead of being an assistant, assistant vice president, you become an assistant vice president. And you get excited about the rewards of life. Well, here's a reward. Psalm 19, verse 11, talking about the Bible. Moreover, by them, that them is the statutes, the commandments, the precepts, and so forth that we've just sung about a few minutes ago from the first part of this chapter. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. There is great reward in keeping the commandments of God. James chapter 1 tells us that if a man is a doer of the word, along with hearing it, if he hears it and does it, that man's going to be blessed in the deed. Because if you hear and do the Bible, there are rewards coming because God loves those that love His word. Do you know what the Bible says about that? Let me, let me say it to you. It's from Proverbs chapter 8. I love them that love me. And that is Lady Wisdom speaking on behalf of God. If you love God's words, God will love you and make you great and reward you. You say, do you think I could become president? Who said that would be making you great? How about becoming Elihu in this congregation? That would be great. The Bible pays rewards. The Bible brings prosperity. It was read to us from Joshua chapter 1. We're told that in Psalm 1. That the man that reads the Word of God meditates upon it day and night is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. That's a prosperous tree. The last of all, most important of all, I want you to know my King that I serve. And I want to know Him as well right along with you. Do you know what the Bible is for? It's for you learning about my King. And I stand and represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you neglect the Bible, you are neglecting the High King of Heaven and you will give an account for it when you stand before Him. Jesus told the leaders of his, the religious leaders of his day, search the scriptures. They were the ones that loved to kiss the book, wear the book on their forehead, wear the book on their arms. Jesus said, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You know what the Bible's full of? It's full of Jesus Christ. You know, I had a man write me this past week, and he wanted to know why there was an it in Genesis 3.15. He was just irritated about an it being in James in Genesis. Forgive me. My brain can't keep up sometimes with the lower apparatus. Genesis 3.15. He was complaining, it shall bruise his head. He wanted to know why there was an it there. And I showed him the rest of the verse and I said, because the Holy Spirit is making a transition, brother. The Holy Spirit's making a transition from it to His. And thou shalt bruise His heel. There's a male pronoun in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And do you know who that male pronoun is about? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We know His name. We know His mother. We know His legal father. We know what He did in life. We know when He was born. We know when He died. We know what He did during His life. You know about that male seed. The Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Get into the Bible to learn about Him, and you will accelerate every other point that I've given you. If you get in it to learn just doctrine, or learn just wisdom, or learn just contentment, you won't get ahead as fast as if you dive into it to learn about Jesus Christ. Can you read Revelation chapter 11 without getting excited? 
Can you read Revelation 11 about Jesus Christ being on His white horse and the heavens being open and Him there in front of a whole army on a white horses? And there's a, His eyes, there's a flame of fire. When you read all those things, what do they do to your soul? If they don't do anything, you have a serious spiritual problem. Right. And there's only one way to cure it. On your knees, in private, where no one else is watching, and beg God to forgive you for being such a worldly-minded fool. And say, Lord, teach me a love of your Scriptures. And teach me the love of Christ. And fill me with the love of Christ. And show me with all the dimensions of it. Give me the Holy Spirit in power so that I will love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know where that's all found? Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 20. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy three fifteen, From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, but you're able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That's what the Scriptures are really for. They testify of God's greatest demonstration of love and power and wisdom in the universe. And that's the sending of Jesus Christ. Right. Whenever you read the Bible, be looking for Jesus Christ. Even when, you're reading, even when you're reading Proverbs, you know, most of the time, and I don't do it always, most of the time I try to give the last paragraph in a proverb commentary right. about Jesus Christ with a New Testament application. Even when you're reading the Proverbs, even when it's a verse about the, the, the hand of the diligent shall be made fat. Well, that's a verse teaching you the hard work will get you ahead. I want to tell you about someone who worked hard. Amen. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. He worked so hard that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was always about his Father's work. Yes. Do you know what they said about him? He's beside himself. Do you know why they said he was beside himself? Because he outworked any man that was ever on this earth. Right. Any verse can be turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the whole Bible. Amen. If you put him first, the other things will fall into place faster. It will accelerate your growth as a Christian. What does all this mean for you? This is what it means, hopefully. I've prepared a new Bible reading schedule for the year 2006. One chapter a day. For those of you that want to read 20 or 30, go right ahead. Pick your 19 to 29 anywhere you want in the Bible and go ahead and read them and write me about them. I'm thrilled. I want the whole church reading the same chapter every day for the year 2006. Lord helping us. One chapter. If you want to read 20 more, go ahead. I'm not stopping you or slowing you down. In fact, I'm encouraging you. You're blessing my heart because you're thinking right now how you want to read 30 a day. I'm blessed by your thoughts. However, will you please read one chapter a day with the whole church? It's over here on the table. You can have a schedule. It will be a survey of the whole Bible. It avoids all the difficult chapters in the Bible. And will lead you through 365 relatively easy chapters. Of course, this is a minimum. For those of you that want to grow in the knowledge of God's Word, you'll read more than that. My father is going to email you a page every day with five questions to help your comprehension on that chapter, one suggestion for your meditation, and one suggestion for your application of that chapter. We are going to think about the same chapter every day through the year 2006. When we meet each other, we should be able to say, what did you think about Jacob and Joseph today? Right. Wasn't that wonderful? And we can talk about the Word of God because we've read the same chapter. If you want to read another 20, then find somebody else that's reading 20 and you can talk about those. 19 with them. 
And I'm not making fun of anyone that reads more. In fact, I'm encouraging you to read more. But I would like the church to be on one chapter from beginning to end of the Bible so that we have something in common to talk about because we want to provoke and promote the reading of God's Word in 2006. The schedule is over here on the table for you to find what chapter you're reading, what chapters are going to be covered, what books of the Bible are going to be covered, and we'll make our way through the Bible in 2006. If you want to pick up the schedule that's next to it, it will show you how to read the whole Bible through in 2006 by three chapters a day and five on Sunday, and they're all laid out for you. That would be wonderful. But if you'll read one chapter and think about it and pray about it and meditate on it and talk about it with others in the church, I will be a most happy pastor. I'll continue to send you a daily proverb and commentary even after we've completed the book. You can take a couple of minutes and read the wisdom of God through, through Solomon's writing. Sometime during 2006, it should take me three more months to finish the commentary on Proverbs. It's taken a little longer than I thought it would. It should be about the end of March when we're done with the book of Proverbs, and then I'll just rotate them on a daily basis and edit them and try to improve them. But then I'll be, getting, I'll be starting problem text, which we will take the thorniest verses of the Bible and trying to write simple explanations for them that God has shown us and put that on the website for pastors and others to find and thank God for some light on the Word of God because He's shown us a lot of light. We want to share it. We are, we are not brilliant. God is brilliant. Yeah, we're, we're not smart. God is gracious. Right. You know, we want to stay as babes. We, when we, whenever we pray about the Bible, we want to ask God to remember that we are babes because we do not want to be haughty because He'll blind us. Our quizzers are finishing Matthew's Gospel. For parents who have helped their children work their way through Matthew, they've learned Matthew pretty well themselves. In a few months, Matthew's going to end, and the new year is going to start, and it's Hebrews and First and Second Peter. And it wouldn't be bad for us to maybe pick up the memory verses that our children are learning from those chapters of Hebrew and learn them ourselves, so that when we're at Bible quiz, we're not just sitting there, we're sitting there trying to answer faster than our children. Yes, even you, Andrea. Even you, Mark. We as parents can learn Hebrews and First and Second Peter. So I'm giving you several vehicles that are exciting to learn the Word of God during the year 2006. Read one chapter a day. Get the Proverbs commentary and read it. And if you've got children that are quizzes, or even if you don't, let's learn Hebrews and First and Second Peter with them. And let's show them that old people are not always slow. Hebrews and First and Second Peter sound so exciting, that's only half the verses that's in the Gospel of Matthew. It's just a little harder for children to isolate them because they're doctrinally connected, not story connected like the Gospel of Matthew. Right. I am also considering, and I'm asking a couple of men to help me put together a list of books for young men and anyone else that wants to join them that would like to read one book a month. One book a month recommended by your pastor and other men in the church that have read that book that would be good for your soul on a variety of subjects. One book a month is nothing. You know, there's 30 days in a month. You divide a book into 30 parts, and there's only a couple pages a day. Well, maybe a few more than that, depending on what size of the book I recommend. But to read a book, especially the young men, these are the things we want to do to learn the Word of God in the year 2006. Let me tell you a fact. Your life is racing away. You will never cross this day again. You will never have the first day of the year 2006 again. There's only one way to slow down your life. 
Do I have your attention now? There's only one way to slow down your life. Here's the answer. Read the Bible every day. It'll slow down your life. Because what you don't like about life is when it races away and you have not given the time and attention to the things of the Lord that you want to, then you regret all those lost days. But if you will read the Bible every day, it will slow down your life because you will be taking each day captive and making it serve you rather than it taking you captive and making you serve it. Is your life racing away? There's a way to lay hold of it. Read the Bible every day. There's a couple of women in here that have been memorizing a lot of Scripture. If we had a different kind of a church and didn't believe the Bible, I'd call on them right now to quote some of the verses that they've learned. But I'll not do that. But I say this because I'm commending them for the Bible verses that they've been devouring. There's a couple men in here that are learning those verses, and none of these people have come and told me about it. I found that about it by being a Snoopy pastor. And it rejoices my heart to see men in a corner and I'll walk near enough and cock my ear while I'm losing my hearing, I can still hear them testing each other on verses that they've learned. That rejoices my heart. The, David said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And there's men in this church doing that. I commend you in the name of the Lord. And you know who you are. The Lord knows who you are. And in the keeping of them there is great reward. Amen. Will you read a chapter a day in the year 2006? It's nothing. It's nothing. You'll get an email helping you get something out of it. Encourage my father. I, I've told him in no uncertain terms what a daily project can turn out to be. I have a monster called Proverbs and a daily commentary. It, needs, it wants to be fed every day. Please encourage my father. Look forward to it. Let's read our Bibles. Let's build our faith. Let's bear fruit. Let's grow. Let's be contented in the Lord. Let's learn the truth. Let's acquire wisdom. Let's have answers for people. Let's get those rewards God promises. Let's rejoice in the prosperity that He gives. And let's learn about His Son, Jesus Christ, from His precious Word. The words of Jonathan are ended.